Chapter Two of The Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. CLSC. When afternoon quiet rested on the pretty house, Mrs. Fenton dressed herself with careful hand and set forth to find rest for the weariness of her heart. She could not settle down to sewing. There was no housework to do. She did not feel like reading. She would make some calls. Not that she did not read occasionally, other than juvenile literature. She had read Mrs. Henry Wood and Mrs. Mary J. Holmes quite extensively. It had been a mere matter of chance that she had fallen in with those authors. She did not know what to read, and Mrs. Wood's East Lynn had fallen in her way, and therefore she had read it. In her youth no one had directed her reading. She had read what she happened to. She continued to do that still. But Mrs. Henry Wood and Mrs. Holmes failed to satisfy her on this June day. She wanted to get away from herself and her surroundings. She determined to call on her friends. She had many friends, pleasant, chatty ladies, who talked with her cheerily about their homes, their furniture, the trials of hired help, the discomforts of housekeeping, the faults of even the favorite dressmaker, and the queerness of the latest fashions in bonnets, all the little narrow circle of interests around which they danced. For excitement there were bits of gossip to discuss. Somebody was always doing what he or she ought not, and affording food for thought and comment to the more circumspect. It was among such friends, and such interests as these, that Mrs. Fenton hoped to forget Severus. I do not know that it made her heart less sore to remember that the boy's father had an interest in common with his son, from which she was shut out. Robert Fenton, Sr., without being what scholars would call a mathematician, was quick-brained where figures were concerned, and his business life had developed skill in the use of certain common-sense rules, by which he arrived at mathematical results in a way that surprised and won the respect of his son. So, many an evening, the two bent over columns of figures with interested faces, and the mother, looking on, was glad and sorry if you can imagine both these states of mind possessing her at once. Behold her presently ushered into the pleasant parlour of Mrs. Chester, a calling acquaintance a trifle higher in the social scale than was Mrs. Fenton. That is, her parlour was larger, was carpeted in body brussels, and the tables were marble-topped, and the upholstery was done in satin damask, and about it all there was a certain air of style which told the looker-on that money was plenty. Into the fashionable darkness and coolness of this room went Mrs. Fenton, and dropped into one of the great easy-chairs with a sigh. She was just in the mood to wish that the money so lavishly displayed about her had been hers. If it had, in her youth, she would have known all about Severus and everything else by this time. While she waited, she took up first one book and then another with a listless air, and laid them down again. Library of Poetry and Song. She was fond of certain kinds of poetry, or had been, but she couldn't imagine what would tempt her to read a poem to-day. She thought fiercely of that one which she had read long ago about those divided lives. She wished she had never heard of it. She reached after a ponderous book, it had such a handsome binding, and laid it down quickly, her sigh heavier than before. 
History of All Nations. What an immense book! How could people ever read it through, much less study it? All about Severus was in that, she supposed. All about everybody, people with whom her Robert would make acquaintance and grow familiar, and whom she would never know. Mrs. Fenton was astonished at and ashamed of herself. She felt a strange lump in her throat, and resisted with great difficulty the temptation to break down just then and there and have a good cry. She dived after more books. She must in some way get her mind away from this one subject, or she would disgrace herself. There was a little pink paper-covered volume, hardly six inches long, lying at one side. A child's book, she thought, and she reached after it, telling herself a little bitterly that children's books were just suited to her capacity, and mechanically turned the pages. Suddenly a pink flush spread over her face, and, with bright eyes and eagerly parted lips, she stopped over this sentence. Severus the Emperor, eighty-nine years later, A.D. 210, rebuilt this wall of stone. Lo, here was Severus himself, or at least definite knowledge concerning him. Emperor of what was he? What stone wall did he rebuild? Who built it first, and for what? Every one of these questions she found answered for her, in the space of six lines, in that wonderful pink book. Here were the magic figures that had troubled her Robert in the morning, two hundred and ten years after Christ. She had never known that date before. Be sure she will never forget it. She searched eagerly through the book for more information concerning Severus. Her enemy he had been all day. She didn't like him. It would relieve her to know that there was nothing about him which ought to demand admiration." While she was searching the small record, the door opened, and Mrs. Chester, fresh from an afternoon toilet, rustled in. "'It is very warm,' she said, after the first greetings. "'I hope you will excuse my keeping you waiting. The truth is, I was in the hands of my dressmaker, and she was particularly trying this afternoon. She twisted and turned me around, as though I had been a lay figure, and ripped out and pinned up, and I believe, after all, she has the darts too low. And that, you know, is a most exasperating fault. I am just worn out. Now Mrs. Fenton had been exasperated and worn out scores of times by the very same dressmaker, and Mrs. Chester naturally looked to find in her a sympathetic spirit, and fairly launched on the subject of dressmaking the trials to undergo in darts too low and darts too high, and short waists and narrow chests, and awkward loopings and ill-hung skirts. Every lady knows there is no end to the subject. Instead of sympathy and commiseration, Mrs. Fenton, with a very animated face and voice, asked abruptly, "'Mrs. Chester, whose book is this?' "'That!' said Mrs. Chester, in a surprised tone, bending forward and looking at the little book, as though she thought she might need a magnifying glass in order to view it properly. "'Oh, that is a little thing belonging to Miss Katie Wells of Brooklyn. She is visiting my girls. She is quite a little student, leaves her books around everywhere.' "'A schoolgirl?' "'Well, no. She graduated from school two years ago.' One would think she might have done with school books, but she seems not to be. 
she belongs to some society literary you know and she studies a little every day i tell her she might as well be in school yet but she seems to enjoy it at this moment there was an influx of young ladies bright sparkling girls in airy summer lawns with delicate laces at throat and wrists and a general air of bewitchingness about them the dining-room door that opened to admit them from outdoor life somewhere showed a glimpse of a trim figure in neutral tinted calico moving deftly through the room closing blinds folding newspapers setting back stray chairs restoring the room to after-dinner propriety she looked with appreciative eyes after the billows of muslin that floated past her those creatures belonged to another world than hers she lived in the workaday world mrs chester's dining-room and kitchen and cellar bounded her horizon caroline is a good faithful girl mrs chester said from the depths of her easy chair in answer to the question that her caller could not help asking she was a friend of caroline's the mistress watched the deft fingers with a complacent face feeling a certain comfortable sense of ownership therein the door between the two rooms having been carelessly closed swung open again and caroline moving to and fro was occasionally visible so the working and the talking went on together with only a half-open door between them mrs fenton watched caroline with almost a look of envy on her face the probability was that she cared nothing about severus she was contented with the place which she filled she had no boy to grow away from her and grow ashamed of her these thoughts recalled the existence of the little pink covered book and she addressed miss katie wells with eagerness why that said miss katie responding in a tone equally eager is a chautauqua text-book i belong to the c l s c i am afraid you would have laughed could you have seen mrs fenton's puzzled face she lived nearly a thousand miles from chautauqua in a town not especially noted for literary attainments and her reading you will remember was on a somewhat limited scale she had actually never heard of chautauqua the word sounded to her like the jargon of an unknown tongue she knew less about c l s c than even about severus miss katy seeing the wonder hastened to explain you know about chautauqua no well it's why dear me it is everything i don't know how to describe it where to begin you know it is a lovely city in the woods on a lake we go there every summer we have a cottage there and we attend the meetings wonderful meetings grand speaking and grand singing and well everything to enjoy i like it better than the seaside ten thousand times miss katy was young was in fact in the very zenith of the adjective abounding age and she loved chautauqua mrs fenton however retained her bewildered look what had a fashionable summer resort with an occasional lecture or concert for the benefit of the pleasure-seekers toying away the summer there to do with this small book full of hard names severus and the like do they have a literary society there she asked the question timidly feeling that she was stepping beyond the bounds of her knowledge oh yes there and everywhere almost the c l s c s are springing up all over the land we meet once a month our circle does and we have most delightful evenings 
some of the studies that i used to hate at school and that i managed to learn very little about i must say as we take them up in the circle are really delightful mrs fenton could not suppress a little sigh it must be very pleasant to have wealth and leisure and to go such places and improve oneself she said earnestly did miss katie detect a quiver in the tones or being a born chautauquan couldn't she refrain from breaking into a glow of explanation but you don't need to have wealth and leisure that is one delightful feature of the scheme it reaches those who have neither why in our circle some of those who have done the best are hard-working men and women who must have very little opportunity indeed for study there is a miss harris a sewing girl she told me herself that she had never been to school but nine months in her life and she actually stood first in our examination she studies evenings and mornings and when she is walking to and from her work and well she says she hardly knows how she has found time to do it but she will get her diploma without any doubt i should be afraid she would neglect her sewing if she were working for me mrs chester said this with a languid smile of indulgence both for the enthusiast and the offender since the latter was not working for her miss katie turned toward her with flashing eyes no ma'am she doesn't because she is trying to improve her mind is no reason why her hands should be less skilful in the work that they have learned and she is an honorable girl so of course she doesn't use time that doesn't honestly belong to her no mrs chester said but a preoccupied mind is so apt to make mistakes suppose for instance that my caroline out there should be seized with a whim for improving her mind which i earnestly hope she won't do you really believe she would be as useful and happy in her present position as she is now i'm sure i don't see why if she happened to become interested in history and biography and literature generally why should you expect it to affect her skill in bread-making or table-setting mrs chester gracefully shrugged her graceful shoulders i don't know about it she said i am afraid i am not in sympathy with these new ideas i fancy that people would do much better to stay in their proper spheres instead of trying to creep up into higher ones whereat the flash in miss katie's eyes became very apparent it was evident that with this sort of talk she had no sympathy however she controlled her voice to answer quietly as to proper spheres ma'am i supposed that in this country one sphere was what he made it i am sure neither you nor i can tell what miss harris may be called upon to do in life even if it should be always to make dresses i shouldn't expect mine to fit any less perfectly because she will know how to talk intelligently with me or with her children for that matter if she should ever have any mrs fenton's cheeks glowed for fourteen years she had been able to talk intelligently with her boy robert oh to do something to make sure of being able to be his intelligent companion in the fourteen years to come she almost turned her back upon mrs chester in her luxurious indolence she questioned and cross-questioned miss katie she made a most unfashionably lengthy call but when she left she went directly home bubbling over with new schemes 
as thoroughly posted in regard to the plans and aims and directions of the chautauqua literary and scientific circle as a half hour of contact with a young enthusiast like katie wells could make her i didn't know that mrs fenton was literary in her tastes this was what mrs chester's daughter said as she looked after the departing steps of their caller the mother smiled with that superior air which some women know how to assume as she said i am afraid dear she is one of those persons who like to appear literary without understanding much about it and miss katie who had taken a fancy to the trim little woman whose cheeks had glowed so sympathetically for her dear chautauqua answered with spirit it is a real relief to find a woman occasionally who even wants to appear literary so many of them seem to want to appear like nothing but lay figures dressed up to set off the latest fashions to the best advantage one little additional feature of this day stands out pleasantly in mrs fenton's memory at the supper-table she said to young robert as she served him to berries well my son did you pass in history do you think oh mother there is no telling yet a while we had a tough time still i'm pretty certain about most of it don't you think the old fellow that i was worrying over this morning was among the first questions on our list who severus and the silly mother's hand actually trembled as she passed him a glass of milk yes'm and i'd give fifty cents this minute to know whether i got the dates right i know it was either two hundred and ten or one hundred and two after christ but i couldn't to save my life tell which i said the figures over twenty times and each time i was less sure which to take and which did you take finally well at last i said here goes for two hundred and ten right or wrong i won't change again and i didn't i am glad of it for two hundred ten is correct the mother's face was smiling but her foolish heart beat so loud that it almost seemed to her husband and son must hear it young robert dropped his fork and gazed at his mother are you sure mother he asked her eagerly quite sure my son i was reading about him only this afternoon and took particular notice of the date then young robert without further ceremony dashed back his chair and came around to his mother and placed a hearty kiss on each flushed cheek hurrah he said then i don't believe there is a single miss in my history paper that was the only question i felt real doubtful over wouldn't it be just splendid mother if i were perfect in history this little scene confirmed in the mother's heart if it needed any confirmation the determination to belong forthwith to a chautauqua literary and scientific circle if she could find one to which to belong End of chapter two